0: Welcome, everyone, to My Black Book Journal, powered by Act Justly Love Mercy. My Black Book Journal explores some Black experience through book reviews and interviews to uncover lessons of life, love, and leadership. Today, I'm interviewing Caroline J. Sumner about her new book, Will All Be Free." How a culture of white supremacy devalues us and how we can reclaim our true worth. So all my Black Book Journal listeners out there, I want you to stop whatever you're doing right now let you're driving. And I want you to give a big round of applause for our guest today, Caroline. Caroline, how are you doing today?
1: I'm well. Thank you so much for having me. And I love the intro music. I've listened to your show before, but it, it's a little different to have the intro music while you're um, coming to be a guest on the show. It gets you in the vibe, gets you in the mood. So I'm just excited to be here.
0: We're really excited to have you on. Thank you for being a listener. Um, I've read, I I follow you on Instagram now, and so I've been able to follow You do a lot on Instagram. Like, I suck on Instagram. I, I, I talk a lot about posting. I think a lot about posting. I have the app. But you do a great job. Like, your your posts on Instagram are so engaging.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, if it if it makes you feel any better, I suck at all the other social media. I think it's impossible for us to do phenomenally everywhere at once, right? We're conditioned to believe we need to. But we don't have to do phenomenally everywhere at once. I used to have a podcast and I couldn't keep that mm-hmm. podcast up. So I had to let that go. It's still sitting there somewhere. Someone listens to it, I'm sure. But I can't do both. So you just have to kind of pick the one thing that works for you and do that well. So thank you. I appreciate your compliments to my Instagram.
0: <laughs> Caroline, I think that's a good, good way to dive into this interview because you speak a lot about that in your book will all be free. But before we jump into it, there was a quote that just really jumped out at me that really kind of summarized the purpose of why you wrote this book. And I really wanted to read it for our listeners. So we're going to switch it up. I usually read the the quote at the beginning of the podcast, but I wanted to start it before we did this interview. And it says this, and this is the reason for this book. A society of humans like you and me have been struggling with feeling worthy our entire lives and never quite understanding why. But now we know why. I wasn't It wasn't us the entire time. It was the system, the society. The culture passed down from generation to generation from the very beginning of the construction of racist ideas. And now we are the generation with the power to change the narrative for ourselves and shape the narrative for generations to come. We are the ones who get to say, enough is enough. We refuse to spend our entire lives proving ourselves when we were already worthy from the moment we were born. From this moment forward, you all, that when I read that, that really jumped out at me. It, it really spoke to me that often we try to prove our worth. We try to prove our value. And Carol, I think it speaks to what you were saying. We don't have to be good at everything. Actually, a friend told me one time that it's actually a white supremacist mindset that makes us think we have to know everything and be everywhere. And so to that, before we jump fully into the book, Tell us a little bit about how you arrived at this point in your life to what you're doing. You're writing this book and all the other areas that you are showing up on a day in day out basis.
1: Yes. Thank you so much. Um, That quote, it's, it's a quote that I really hope changes so many, um, so many people's lives and mindsets and how that they, how they view themselves. Um, The and I, and you've you've had the pleasure of of reading my book so far, so you know a little bit about my story. But um, from even before I was born, I think the narrative of my personal story has been one of struggling with worthiness and struggling with even um, why I'm here. Why do I even exist on this earth? Um, I'll leave the the details for those who want to actually read the book. But I do have quite the entrance into this world, um, and. When you, when you have a background such as mine, it is um, very natural and normal to wonder why you're here and, and how in the world you could be worthy of existing. But the thing is, I thought that this was a me problem my entire life. Um, even even with other people that I have come in contact with in my life, whether it be childhood friends or in college or, or, or colleagues that also um, have struggled with worthiness in different ways. I always thought, especially because our society conditions us as such, that this is a me problem. I'm struggling with my worthiness and I need to figure out how to become worthy. And once I do that, I will not struggle with this anymore. And it's something that we all do. It could be something – um, on the outside where we think, you know, our 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 bodies need to look a certain way. And once they do look a certain way, we will be worthy of blank. It could be from a career or, or an educational standpoint. Once I've reached said degree or once I have proven this, um, I will then be worthy. It can be in our parenting. It could be in being daughters and sons. Um, it can be in pretty much any area of our lives. Most of us have some sort of Struggle with feeling like we need to prove ourselves to be worthy. But again, we think this is an us problem. But then I began to wonder, well, two things happened, I will say. Um my intersection of my love of my history, of our history as as black Americans and my journalistic um, background as well, and my um activism and social justice mindset of wanting to eradicate the systems that marginalize um black and brown bodies intersected with my questioning about my own worthiness and why we as humans struggle with this. But I didn't realize that that intersection would actually lead me to this book right away. It was in my own research and wondering why as a society we continue to see the injustices that we do that I began to, 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 to realize these parallels of the culture of white supremacy. And I came, I came across some amazing research that helped me realize, wow, there is specific reasons why as a society we have the problems we have today. And it's it's in every area. It's in every arena that we interact with, um, every industry we interact with. And once I realized this, and once I do- dove further and further into research, that's what led to this book and led to me finding a a specific corner of my activism in um, the dismantling of white supremacy that I knew was going to be a game changer, not only for myself, but for everybody. Because once we realize that white supremacy impacts and harms us all, it impacts and and harms us all differently, but impacts and harms us all regardless of how we identify, then we'll realize why it's so imperative that we work towards dismantling it. Mm.
0: Okay. And when you say white supremacy you you defined it in your book as as this you said a political economic and cultural system in which whites overwhelmingly control power and material resources conscious and unconscious ideas or white superior of white supremacy super, superiority and entitlement are widespread and relations of white dominance and non-white subordination are daily reenacted across a broad array of institutions and social settings. Now, can you, can you break that down a little bit for our audience so they can really understand when you talk about white supremacy and you define it, what does that look like? What does that mean on a day-in, day-out basis for most people's lives?
1: Absolutely. So we have systemic white supremacy, which is that first definition. A little bit further along in my book, I also identify um, what white supremacy culture is, which is the culture that has created in our society, that has been created in our society, or I should say, essentially birthed from systemic white supremacy. Um, We have a foundation of white supremacy, which is a little bit more of the obvious one. Historically speaking, colonization, chattel slavery, um, the the fact that it was legal to create a society that existed on a racial hierarchy and in every arena, housing, jobs, education, these things we know. But the thing is, we tend to have a disconnect and believe that once these things were made illegal, that all of a sudden our society somehow undid itself and and was no longer a society of white supremacy. But we have hundreds of years of creating. A hierarchy that didn't just go away. And we still see that systemically. We still see that today. Um, so we see that when we're looking at, um, who holds the, the, um, the power, the, the decision making power. We look at, we see that when we see who tends to be at the top in the economic and political and education, um, forefronts of our, of our society. But we also see that on a more, um, like you said, the day to day, which can be anything from, Looking at who is the who are the primary educators for our children's teachers and what do they look like? Um, it can be from um, coming into a store and looking at um, the ratio of of models, for example, who are modeling clothing on the pictures um, that you see or the the I'm not billboard's not the right word uh, the poster wasn't the the posters that are that are in a store, for example. Um, it's it's how. Uh, sticking with clothing it could even be how the clothing sizes are created what the what the standards are based off of so the standards and the norms that we have created in our society um the education norms what we teach our children um everything from in our health in uh, healthcare system what our um what the standards and norms are for measures and markers of health whether that be bmi or um even um markers of other markers of health that you may draw via like blood hormones all those things all of those um standards were all created based off of white men and 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 as a result we are all being measured up to these standards and believing that if we don't fit into these standards that we are less than or we are inferior in some in some way but we're but our society being that it was built Based off of a Eurocentric mindset, a Eurocentric um, ideal, and a superiority of whiteness being better, of white people being better, um, and white people in power making these decisions and not considering the the truth and and standards and cultural differences of everybody else in this world, the, the people of the global majority, um, that is how we now have this this essentially water that we swim in, that is that of of white supremacy. All of these small and large details create a culture that we all don't even realize that we are subscribing to. We're born into it. We're taught it in our schools with the way that we are, are not, not only taught our history, but even the way that we're taught to write, um, our papers, the way that we're taught to speak English and, and your dialect is inferior if it's not a standard American English or, or whatever that means. I, I, I'm using air quotes for people that are listening. Um, All of those little details create this culture of here's the standard. It is that of whiteness and you must measure up to it. It is what is correct and anything else is incorrect. It's that idea. Now, of course, are these or is anything else that is not a a presentation of whiteness incorrect? Absolutely not. But our society teaches us that it is. That is how white supremacy is affecting us on a day to day basis.
0: So in speaking of freedom, when you when you sat down, when you started thinking about writing this book and you you called it We'll All Be Free, what does that expression of freedom look like for people?
1: Mm, I love that question. Um, It's twofold. And I I also want to emphasize that it's not something you can just snap your fingers and, and decide, all right. I'm free today and I'll never struggle with this again. Oh, wouldn't that be amazing? But we're going to struggle with this every single day. That's just human nature and we still live in this society. We can't just put a sledgehammer to it and just say, okay, never again, white supremacy you're going down. Um, it, it won't work that way. Um, but we do have the ability to, first of all, once we once we learn and once we know where this is coming from, where all of these standards and ideals are coming from, we have the the um the freedom to choose whether or not we want to continue to submitting to these cultural ideals and in my book i tell you it's totally your choice how you respond is your choice um to give a really cliche example I talk a lot about, um, the beauty industry, especially for, um, my women out there, but also my men, you know, the beauty and wellness and how you're supposed to look in the fitness industry affects us all. And, um, something that I see a lot of on my, um, Instagram, um, what is it? Your ads, the algorithm that likes to just target you and tell you about yourself is, um, acne and hyperpigmentation because apparently that's the enemy, right? If your skin has any sort of blemish, you are flawed and you must fix it now. And of course, as someone who still struggles with this, even though I know where this comes from, I'm a human. So I'm still going to struggle with this. I'm still going to think, Oh my goodness. I need to fix this. I need to correct this. My decision is that I know that this particular issue that I struggle with, I'm being told it's incorrect because of the standards of beauty that exist in our culture due to white supremacy culture. It is, I have the freedom to know that my worthiness and my beauty is not dependent on whether I have acne or hyperpigmentation on my face. I have the choice to wear makeup or not wear makeup. I have the choice to take care, to choose certain skincare or not choose certain skincare. My decision to to continue to take care of my skin or to put on some concealer is no longer wrapped up in my worthiness and how I view myself. Because I know that I'm being conditioned to to view myself a certain way based on society. So I get to break up with that and be free from holding myself to that standard, even if I still choose to wear makeup or not wear makeup. That's a very um, uh, superficial, I I should say, example. But that's That's one of the most tangible ways that I can approach it. But it's really just deciding, you know, yes, we still live in this society. You may still have to adhere to a certain dress code at work, or you may still choose to code switch in certain situations. But you know now the history behind why we are conditioned to do certain things. And you know that your worthiness is not dependent on Certain titles or status or standards, etc um but the other response could be to completely say, forget it I'm no longer going to respond a certain way I'm no longer going to um adhere to certain standards and I'm going to set certain boundaries that um may ensure that I am not falling for um specific uh you know standards or or um I'm blanking on my words, but standards that I, that I was struggling with. In that, and it's going to look different for everybody because everybody's responding to the culture in a different way. But it's the freedom of knowing that you're no longer under this, essentially like this bondage or hold that white supremacy culture has on you that says you are not worthy unless you do blank.
0: So when we show up in this work, When we read, when we educate ourselves, oftentimes we feel called to do something. I think especially in moments of societal chaos or crisis. And over the last, since 2008 or since 2012, whether it be the election of Barack Obama, whether it be um, the murder of Trayvon Martin. It's so many people have been who been feel called to this work. Some as reformers, and some as people. So those reformers may be people feel it, feel called to engage within the system. But then you also have the people who may feel led to operate outside of those existing institutions and systems. What would you say to both those who feel like they should work within the system, and are they? Is there a way to dismantle white supremacy culture? in the system or do people or should people only focus on working without outside the system to maybe build new institutions and new systems?
1: I absolutely believe that there's room for both and we need both and they don't need to be mutually exclusive. Um Excuse me, as I was actually just speaking about this on my Instagram stories, <laughs> bringing it back to that Instagram, because I was talking about how I needed to go to Best Buy Um Funny enough, this podcast mic that I'm using is brand new. I've podcasted before, but I always just like thugged it out with my my Apple headphones. And I was like, okay, if I'm going to be a guest on other people's podcasts, I need to be like legit and get like a real podcast microphone. And so I didn't get it on Amazon. I went to my Best Buy in my community and I engaged with a salesperson and I bought the microphone. And I talked about how this is something that. We don't do as much anymore because we're conditioned to buy things online and just use utilize convenience and and big business and things like that. Now, the person that is the reformer might approach like we're talking. For example, we talk about capitalism, and capitalism is a is a is a huge. I, I consider capitalism to, capitalism. Excuse me to be the engine that keeps the white supremacy machine running, right? Now, someone who's like, "All right, we want to destroy the system," would be like, "I don't want to engage in capitalism at all. I need to go outside of capitalism. I'm only going to shop extremely local or I'm going to um, be involved in, in only mutual aid opportunities and trading and things of that nature." And there's there's absolutely need for that. But there are there's also a very real society that we that we do live in that we cannot just take a sledgehammer to that people's livelihoods do rely on. And so we do need a both and approach to how we can dismantle from within. And so part of that can be the example of going to a local business and investing your money. And that could be a locally owned business, or it can be just a chain business in your jurisdiction, but those tax dollars can still go to your school system, for example. And then you go to your school systems and you go to those PTA meetings and you advocate for equity and inclusion and, and, um, and, and, um, You advocate for the dismantling of white supremacy culture within classrooms, for example, um, getting rid of things like patriarchal systems within classrooms. And I talk a lot about that in my last couple of chapters of my book and different ways that you can begin to um, dismantle that within the, um, the, the spheres of influence that are right in front of you. It can be going into your church groups, into your organizations, even within your household and saying, hey, let's... Revamp how we've been doing things. Let's revamp these, these, um, standards that we've been holding ourselves to. Let's make sure that we are prioritizing humanity over profit and over productivity. And that can all happen within certain systems because we still have to understand that, Hey, that person that went to Best Buy this morning that needed to, that, that got up to get to do a job. And that's what their livelihood depends on is so grateful that I walked into that store and invested my money in that store because that's keeping that store open. And. We can advocate for the fact that our retail workers need to be paid exponentially higher and advocate for the um, the undoing of the profit over people capitalistic mindset and system of our society as a whole that keeps retail workers and other laborers um, not being paid well while still understanding that they still need those jobs in order to live and still investing in helping them do that. You see what I'm saying? You see how it can definitely be a both and for both the reformer and I would call the other person the disruptor.
0: So as we thank you for thank you for breaking that down, because I would I would wholeheartedly agree with you that we don't have to pick and choose. We have different callings or we feel called to engage in different ways. Throughout your book, you take time to put questions for people to journal and think through. Um, how is it that you want people to approach your work and this book as they pick it up and begin to go through it?
1: Yeah, I love that question. Um, I have a very much have a put your oxygen mask on first mentality because we are conditioned to put everyone else's oxygen mask on first. We are conditioned to feel as though that we don't have time to to work on our own healing because... We gotta produce, and we gotta be productive. And even white supremacy culture will will condition you as you're reading your book to think that you gotta be doing more to 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 do the work and dismantle the system. And you're not doing enough, even as you're learning about how you don't have to worry about not doing enough, because that is the conditioning in our mind. It it will happen. But that's why I have those journal prompts and I have those reminders in the book, and I spend the the first three fourths of the book. I spend on you as the person recognizing where this is coming from, learning the history of it, really digging deep into your um, personal traumas and how they have impacted you and the connections with those personal traumas and white supremacy and looking at all the areas of society and how you could have been impacted by those and unpacking what that has done to your mind and and breaking up with those things and letting those lies go and really taking the time to begin that healing journey for yourself before you even think about being that reformer or disruptor towards the end of the book. It is my hope that you first and foremost see yourself in a completely new light of the most valuable and worthy human ever. Um before you think about needing to do more and be more, yes, that work is important. That work will be there, but that work you you are not able to to put your all into anything if you are not healing yourself first and taking care of yourself first. Um, so, and I and I don't believe that 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 is selfish at all. And in so many different areas, but be, whether it be in the church or in our um, capitalistic work. Environment or within our families, we are always taught that we have to be thinking of others and thinking about the work and doing more, 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 and that that is and that the more selfless, quote unquote, that you are, the better. And then we burn out as a result, and we think that that's where our worthiness lies is in that burnout. So my book is going to take the opposite approach. You're going to put yourself first in this.
0: Wow, thank you for sharing that because uh, I one of the ways you really weave your story throughout this book, right? You're very honest. You share memories from your childhood. You share your own narrative with us. And you share your journey of how you came to this place of freedom. What would you say in that same vein to somebody who may be in a system? And as they're reading this or as they're engaging in this, they, they can't find the space to process their narrative, their story. They may not feel like anybody's willing to go on this journey with them. That's in their context. What would you say to them?
1: Oh, you're challenging me now. <laughs> that is, and, and I think that's going to be so many. And unfortunately, I, I have to add the unfortunately there. Many people are going to find themselves in that situation. Because let's be real, this is still a very touchy subject. You put the words white supremacy in a title and no one cares what you have to say. They're like, nope, this is terrible. This is critical race theory. C- cancel. Ban the book. It can never be talked about. Even though when you read the book, that's clearly um, I'm talking to everybody and and i and. With the open mind, everyone's lives would be changed with this book. But there's going to be many people who are not hearing it and don't and don't um, don't want to have anything to do with it. And the person that in their family that the person that's in a family or a community that might be the only one willing to kind of do this work will definitely find themselves feeling lonely and um, and isolated. And I, I completely understand that. But in that in that case, I would say you have to carve out that time. To, for yourself, and this is where you, w- you will have to be a little bit more on the individual basis. It's not that we can't ever be with ourselves when I talk about individualism. It may look like that you just need to – um get a hotel room for a weekend and just dive in. It may look like that you need to just make a date with yourself at a coffee shop and dive in and and just chalk it up to being um a, a me day or, or self-care day or something like that where you may have to to draw some boundaries and and make sure that you're prioritizing your journey and not letting those that may be detractors in your life get in your head. Um, because that will happen. Um and also know that the community that um I work hard to build online is always a safe space for those that are um, wanting it and needing it. That's why I have the journal prompt. so you can um, you can journal, you can reflect, you can always um, come to um, my space online and and I answer as many DMs as I possibly can just to give encouragement. Um, you can find some people in your area and you can start book clubs and and things of that nature. So there's definitely ways to, to go about um, prioritizing doing the work and, and having those boundaries. But know that you're not alone because even if you feel alone within your personal space, within your family, within your friends, that doesn't mean you're alone. There are going to be many people that are going to be on this journey, everyone that has this book in their hands, and, and including myself, we're all on the journey with you. I make it very clear in my book, I am not on some pedestal over here talking about how I conquered it all. No, 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 no. I am on this journey every single day. All I'm doing is taking your hand and inviting you to come with me. So always know that even if it's just a matter of the author, you have someone in your corner cheering you on.
0: Mm. Thank you for sharing that because I know we have people that listen to this show that are laboring in spaces that they may feel called to be, but may not always receive the support that they need. And you're right. A lot of times when we see certain ideas, we dismiss them out of hand before we ever engage with them. And so if you see this book and, uh, that talks about a white supremacy culture that devalues us and how we can reclaim our true worth, sometimes people won't even give it the time of day that they need. And sometimes they'll be afraid in certain spaces to even read books like that for the backlash that they'll receive. And so if you're hearing this, you pick this book up here at My Black Book Journal, we believe in journaling through the books that we're reading, taking the time, wrestling with those thoughts, wrestling with ourselves to to not just read for information, but we're reading for wisdom. And so if you do that, I think that this will actually help you to slow down, right? It's helping me. As I was reading it, I'm like, I need to slow down. In what way am I so hurried? That that I'm not taking the time to actually be present with myself, um, and so it was really good. So before we get you out of here, Caroline, um, we have this thing on my black book journal called "Reading Brings Me Joy." I'd love to hear something that you may have read recently that's brought you joy.
1: Oh, there's so many. Um, so I, I'm reading. How We Heal by Alex L that's a beautiful book it's a, and she writes it in collaboration with a few others like Morgan Harper Nichols um and f- for those that may feel like therapy or something like that is out of reach that's a really good book to dive into to um to add to your toolbox for your own healing journey journey um as far as your trauma and things like that are concerned so highly recommend you read that book and it has brought me a lot of um sitting down and wrestling and journaling, which she has in that book as well. But it's also just brought me joy to know that I'm like, I'm not alone in the things that I wrestle with um, and hope for my own healing journey. Um, Another book that has brought me joy is The Humanity Archive by Jermaine Fowler. I'm looking at it over here. I love this book because he does such a good job of telling Black history and that we just don't hear about or telling... Um, telling the the whole truth of certain things in Black history that we may have heard about, but haven't heard the whole truth about. I I can't even get past the first half of the book because I just keep reading and rereading and highlighting. And I I just love Black history so much. I geek out over it. So that book is just everything and um, giving me a ton of joy. And then another one is Make Good the Promises. Why can't I remember who this is by? Um, is it by Clint Smith? It might be by Clint Smith, but I could be, or Clint... Clint somebody. Um, I should know this. I'm following this author on Instagram. I apologize. Um, but I mean, I don't want to like make a ton of noise and, and ruffle the microphone, but can you just look at the pictures in this? Like I'm trying to find one of those. Anytime I can look at black history pictures, I just get so excited. I, I love it. So it just brings me. So, look at this. Just, just look at this beauty. Look at this beauty. I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed. Um. So yeah, this is another one that I highly recommend picking up. Um. I, I hate to say that I don't. I don't hate to say it. I'm sorry. I'm gonna take that back. I love, I love this about me. I'm not a huge fiction reader. I used to be, but I just love nonfiction too much. So I apologize that I don't have any fiction books to share. I'm just a nonfiction geek. Um. But yeah, that's that's is bringing me joy. <laughs>
0: No need to apologize. It brings me joy. It's, I, I, one of the things I love about this podcast is when I ask that question, people kind of pause and all the readers out there, they they look around the room because we always have a ton of piles of books everywhere. Yeah. Right. And we're, <laughs> we're always juggling a bunch of books. We're always thinking through a bunch of things. And so it's always like, Oh yeah, I, I read that and I read that and I read that. And so I loved it. Yeah. Uh, no need to apologize because that's what we do. We, we enjoy reading. We enjoy exploring other people's stories. We enjoy exploring our history. And so, you know, that's why we do this podcast and why we listen to this podcast. So thank you so much for sharing your joy with us.
1: I love it. Thank you. I love to hear that I'm not alone in like the piles of books that I have everywhere. I was just <laughs> thinking like, I need another bookshelf. Like this is getting out of hand, Carol. I've got books under my bed. I just, <laughs> it's just too much.
0: <laughs> I'm the same way. I have two bookshelves behind me. I have books over here. At my office at home, I have a bookshelf. I bought them. like we have books everywhere. Before we get you out of here though, will all be free? When does it come out? Where can people find it? And where can people follow your work?
1: Thank you for asking. It comes out on July 25th. So that's right now when we're recording. This is like a month away, which is kind of mind-boggling. Um, and you can find it Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Um, it just uh, got released on Apple Books. So if you are an iPad reader, it is on Apple Books as well. Um, it will be an audiobook recorded by yours truly. If you are listening, I'm not sure when this will be released, but if this is before the launch date, um, part of my pre order gifts are a free copy of the audiobook that will be emailed to you. So if you pre order the book, you'll get a um, copy of the audiobook as well. Um, and pretty much anywhere books are sold, but I also highly encourage everybody to go to local independent bookstores, especially Black-owned bookstores, and request that the book be carried in your local area. Um, request to be carried in Barnes Noble and things like that too, because let's be real, like again, this is one of those both and situations. More people are going to walk into a Barnes & Noble, more people that don't look like me and you are going to walk into a Barnes & Noble to buy and browse books. And I want to make sure that this book is captured by the browser and the intentional I-want-this-book buyer. Um, but we also want to make sure we're pouring into our independent bookstores and our Black-owned bookstores. So if you have a local store that you can think about and you want to just walk in there and ask that they um, carry the book, that's how we get books into stores as well. So that would be a great way to to be helpful in this situation.
0: Awesome. And we talked about Instagram, but where else can our, our listeners follow your work?
1: Um, I dabble in Twitter. I dabble in TikTok uh, a little bit, you know, and dabble. I mean, I'm actually pretty active there, but I don't have a ton of followers in either location. So it's like crickets, crickets. So if you happen to be on the Twitter and you happen to be on the TikTok and you want to give me a follow, I will not be disappointed because I'm trying, you guys, I'm trying to be more hip and and cool with the people, and the modern, you know, TikTokers out there. Um so yes and and I do I I will say my content is not just a copy and paste. My TikTok content some of it makes it to Instagram, a lot of it stays on TikTok. My Twitter content some of it makes it to Instagram, a lot of it stays on Twitter. Um and Instagram is is where I am most often. Um on as well, um, especially on like Instagram stories and things like that and where most of my informative posts are. So if you want to learn more, you want to kind of dive into some content that will help you know whether or not this work is good, is is right for you. This book is right for you. I have a plethora of content, years worth of content, honestly, on Instagram talking about white supremacy, white supremacy culture and how it impacts us. So I definitely encourage you to check that out.
0: Caroline, thank you so much. So listen, you all pre-order the book. So and you can you can hear Caroline read it to you in the audio book when it releases. Follow her on Instagram. Follow her on Twitter. Check out her TikToks. Support the work. Go to your local bookstores. Request that they, they host it, that they they order copies and sell copies locally. We'll all be free. How a culture of white supremacy devalues us and how we can reclaim our true worth. You all, it's wor- it's a worthy read. Wrestle through it book up Caroline J Sumlin thank you so much for coming on my black book journal and sharing your work with us
1: thank you so much for having me it's been an honor
0: absolutely